It is Thursday, March 2nd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, newly registered mayoral candidate running under the pity party, J.P. Shedrick. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour from the Indiana Convention Center in Indianapolis. The NFL Scouting Combine, the testing getting underway today. Media time starting to wrap up on Radio Row. We've got a busy show ahead for the next hour here at the Combine. CBS Sports Senior Writer Pete Prisco coming up. We'll hear from head team physician Kevin Kaplan. Yes, get his thoughts on uh, you know what happens here in Indianapolis with the team doctors and Sirius XM NFL host Kirk Morrison joining us at about 4:30 or so today. JP Shadrick with senior writer John Osier and more senior writer Pete Prisco of CBS Sports. So in other words, we have a future mayor and a former mayor of Jacksonville, there right? We go. Well, well like Pete's it. still the mayor. I'm I think. still the mayor. By the way, you don't look like Baselli. That music reminded me of Joe's introduction. Is it Monday night again? I, know. I mean, you don't look like Baselli. I'm in better shape. And, 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 <laughs> and you know more than he does. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, here we are, Pete. Combine time. The uh, big flagpole event of the offseason, one of them. But uh, this has turned into uh, a massive gathering and, what, 1,200 credentialed media for this thing. And it's really two different events. I mean, it's the coach and GM part to set the tone for the offseason for a lot of organizations. And then the testing started today. I mean, and this place is starting to clear out because they're not worried about that part. Well, and, and you know, you know me, John. I've never been a big testing guy. I, I, you put the tape on, you watch the tape, you find out if a guy can play football. I, it, the interviews are good. The medical's good. All of that is important. But the actual workout, we've, we've come here for years and seen guys come here and they work out, oh, he's great, and then he get drafted and they don't play that well. And, and so I think you got to really evaluate them based on the tape. And this thing is enormous, by the way. I think if you have a, a draft uh, buddy leaflet, you're going to get a credential <laughs> to this thing. <laughs> NFL draft site tech.net. <laughs> so, yeah. And hey, look, it's great for the game. It's great for the kids who are doing it. But I wish I had had the opportunity when I was a young kid to be able to do something like that. But it used to be in the, the, the over there in that uh, hotel over there. That's where it was. I want to hear your best uh, 20-year-old combine story. I'll tell you mine real quick. First combine, you were with CBS already. I had just taken over for you at, at the Times Union. My only interview with Tom Coffin, I'm, I'm the main Jaguars beat writer. My only interview with Tom Coffin all week, I chased him down as he was going into the Catholic Church over here across the street uh, at 6.30 or 10 minutes before Mass talked to him for 10 minutes before mass he gave me grief because he said you're putting all our salary cap information in the paper Osher. but that was where you got the coach there was no podium no there was no car wash there no. was no set stage and i was worried all week i wasn't gonna get tom and i finally got him on the steps of the catholic church at 5:50 on a saturday I and i know you were here a couple years before that and and I were here when there was nothing, and they were trying to throw you out, basically. Yeah, well, you had to interview guys in the lobby of the Crown Plaza right there. That's what it was. And they'd bring, if you'd ask for a player, they'd bring them down, and it'd be like four or five guys would talk to them. Sometimes you were the only guy talking to them. It was just so much different. My story is that first year I came was the year before, yeah, the year they were drafting that first draft pick. And I remember chasing Steve McNair down the road <laughs> trying to get him. Because remember, there was some talk that they might end up taking right. Steve McNair. There was that one. Then there was, I remember, one of those early years, it might have been year two, two agents actually got in a fist fight in the lobby of the, because um, he was accusing his, of stealing his yeah, client. Yeah, tell me about that. Nice. Yeah. 
I thought you were going to tell a different story about the first time you came to the combine. No, sorry, Mike. I'm not to tell. And then I think it was 96 when you called me, and there was a mob around Keyshawn. I think I remember the story right. And Jags had the number one pick. I mean, I had the number two pick, and the Jets had the number one, and Keyshawn went one. And you asked him about playing for Coffin. He went, Coach Coffin, you cool? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't going to play for him, though. No. no. And, then, and then it worked out great because the, the Hall of Famer was right. the pick. So it worked out for them. That's Pete Prisco, John Ozier, J.P. Shadrick. It's Jaguars happy hour from the NFL scouting combine. You know, a lot of positive reaction about the Jaguars run, Pete, here in Indianapolis this week. Rightly so. Trent Baalke on the podium on Tuesday and Doug Peterson making the rounds. And you know what? Got a quarterback, a lot of things going well, a lot of moves the last week or so to move some money around. And then the news today that they're expected to tag Evan Ingram, so, um, you know, all things are well in Jaguar. Well, Evan Ingram wasn't going anywhere, no matter what. They were try- They probably still are trying to get a deal done with him. If they can't get the deal done with him. Right, this could be a placeholder. Right. To tag. If, if they don't get the deal done with him. But if they don't get the deal done with him before they even put the – because they haven't officially put the tag on Correct. him yet. There's, they're going to do it one way or the other. He will be in Jacksonville next year no matter what. But if they get him tagged, um, then maybe what do you do with, uh, with you know, Juwan Taylor? Personally, and, and – I said that to them. I would not let Jawan Taylor out the door. He's too valuable. This is an offensive team. You have a franchise quarterback. Make sure the offense is every bit as good as it can be. And by keeping Jawan Taylor there, I think, and Evan Ingram there, and you add Ridley to the equation, and by the way, I hear nothing but good things about his ability to work out. He's supposedly flying around in his workouts. Then all of a sudden your offense is pretty much set. You need a big banger back, but aside from that, you're pretty much set there. Well, they were 10th in the league in offense last year and really spent the first seven or eight games trying to figure out where they were. And then they got, you know, so I anticipate what you're talking about, them being, I think it ought to be a top three or four offense next year based on that. And I I don't think they want to let Jawan Taylor out the door. I think there will be a point, you know, as with any number, that it might get too big for him. Uh, I don't think you can necessarily say we can't let him out the door at any price. And that's a matter of how Drew wants to come in. And if Drew really wants to get him in free agency, it's going to be tough. Yeah, it will be tough. And particularly, you know, some teams look at it. There's a desperation for offensive linemen, which might drive up his price. I mean, I did the top 100 ranking of the linemen, and I think he was seventh. I mean, of of the players, I think I had him seventh. That's how much I feel about his growth. Of all players? Yeah. Okay. That's how much I feel about his growth this year. I mean, he was that good. I'd find a way to keep him. Because if you don't keep him, then what are your options? You're You're out there looking for another one. Or you're moving... One of those guys to right tackle, right. Walker Little proved he couldn't play right tackle. At least he didn't look like he could. So I think that's a problem. So keep this offense. This is an offensive team. Don't weaken it. And if you weak, if you go in, let's just say you keep all those guys. Yeah, you got three tackles. Guys go down in this league, too. Mm-hmm. We've seen that before. And if you don't, one of them maybe can play left guard. And, you know, probably would be Walker Little would play left guard. Then all of a sudden you have a giant offensive line big offensive line around that quarterback so that's what I would do and and I think they're smart they realize what they're going to do and and I think they'd love to keep them and keep it intact and build it around Trevor Lawrence but we'll see it's hard to do when you have cap problems yeah I think Little would play guard in that scenario and you know to your thought I'm of the belief I think the Jaguars feel this way now too you don't have two starting tackles anymore you have three you have to consider your swing tackle a starter because look at the look at last season if they only have two guys that can play tackle last year, they don't make the playoffs. The question becomes, is, is Walker Little a better left tackle than Cam Robinson is? 
They like the way he played down the stretch. Yeah, that's what I mean. There's no doubt. There's some big moments and big games. I mean, is he a better left tackle? And and if he is, then can Cam play left guard? Because, you know, there's always that possibility. I just don't think you take it offensive linemen. Wouldn't it be tough to play Cam at left guard with that? I mean, with that realistically, money? with yeah. that money. Is yeah, but it, if you're paying him anyways, you just play him where you're going to feel yeah, the best. Play right. you got the five best out there, and whatever way they line up, that's, that's what I would do. And, look, one thing I, I will say, and we all – I'm guilty as anybody because you know, JP, we lit up Trent Baalke. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Yeah. We did. On Monday. And I asked him, he was on with us the other day, and I asked him, is any part of you, and I admitted I was one of those guys, I lit him up, is he vindicated? And he wouldn't go there. No, he wouldn't. A little bit. A little bit. He, he wouldn't. He, he didn't, <laughs> no. He wouldn't go there. No, he has to. Oh, is he a little bit vindicated, you're saying? Right. Somewhere inside he has to feel it. He's not going to say He's that publicly public. not going right. to go out there. But any I mean, human I, being I, would be. Right. I can admit when, when I, he did some really good things. Now. Having said that, the defense still isn't good. The defense still needs a lot of work, and they spent a lot of money on that defense. So it's but, not all fixed. But the money they spent was what I would think of as have to spending. They had to get better somewhere. Right. They, they did had as to well it. as you could in free right. agency. It wasn't to a me, good class. the report card on free agency for this franchise is you and I have covered the league forever. How many free agent classes have you seen come in, and by the end of the first season, there's three of them you can't wait to get out the door? You had Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Zay Jones, Darius Foyer, Williams. Darius Williams, Arden Key. Um, that's one of the best, most productive free agent classes. I haven't looked at the entire league's history. But there aren't many free agent classes in NFL history no. who have done that with that level of consistency. It's hard to get productive free agency who fit together. Now, I think Doug gets some credit for that in creating a locker room where everybody could come in. But you're talking about core guys. Christian Kirk is all of a sudden a core guy on this team. Evan feels that way. Uh, Brandon Scherf, we haven't even talked about. He was hurt last year. Oh, bad, too, But still a there. big part of what they were. Uh, that was a, a phenomenal free agent class. And if, if you're going to criticize GMs for their mistakes, you have to give him credit for that. Which is why he get, he deserves, you know, accolades for it. And I even asked him. I said, the clown emoji? I go, you were well aware of it, were you? Of course you brought well, it. He, and he was. He <laughs> knew all about it. I mean, he was. Look, these guys aren't immune to the criticism. And so when they do have success, you're right. A little bit, they should, you know, prop up their feathers and, and brag right, about it. He would never say it publicly, but driving home yeah, at night, absolutely. I, I would hope for his sake, absolutely. he smiles a little bit. He, absolutely. Pete, how do they fix the defense? I don't, think, I, I don't think you can fix the defense. So I think, and we've talked about this, Go get the offense explosive in there. Did, did did Kansas City fix their defense last year? No, they had a bunch of kids playing and they played okay and they were okay on defense. That's just what they need to be because you're scoring just okay. forty a game. Exactly. 40. You don't need to be great on defense. You need to be just okay. Last year at times they were not just okay and they still need to rush the passer better. I think and again this is something I asked Doug about and I think they're going to do more of it. They won't commit it to it fully, but this is what. They need to play Trayvon Walker down. I think he, he could become Eric Armstead from the 49ers, DeForest Buckner, um, Calais Campbell. That's the kind of ability he has. And I know everybody says, well, they drafted him first overall to become a pass rusher. If he's a really good player getting 10, 11 sacks from the inside, is that taint to pick, pick at all? No, absolutely not. And I don't know if he's ever going to be a great pass rusher. And that's the problem. Think about that. You have two top ten picks rushing the passer, and you still weren't good rushing the passer. That's a concern. Pete, we talked about it yesterday. I, I, I 
tend to agree with you on uh, Trayvon. And my thought is, if you had picked Calais Campbell number one overall, and you were sitting here right now, you would look at that as at, as a really good pick that year. So that's okay. I want to clarify something that you said, because I think it's what you're saying. You can't really fix it. And I agree with you, because if what you're looking for is high-impact pass rush, uh, I don't know that at 24 you're going to find that. And it's really hard to find in free agency. And I don't know that as a team they're in a position – to go all chips in on a risky free agent pass rusher. So I have a feeling that next year, 10 games into the season, fans may go, well, they didn't look at the pass rush last offseason. You have to remember what's available to you as a franchise, how you build. That's why I agree with you. Okay, well, you say there may not be the uh, Joey Bosa fix at pass rusher, so you go get stronger somewhere else and make up for what might not be as strong as you want. That And again, if you keep Jawan Taylor and you keep Evan Ingram and you look at the offense, you might draft a back in the fifth round to help the offense. Might get another tight end at some point in the draft. And, and who knows, maybe there's a tight end in the first round you really like, you add him to the mix, and all of a sudden you're really a dynamic offense. But if you don't use that first pick on a tight end, then you go into you look at your defense. You got to have to get a corner and you have to get a pass rusher. Those are two things you have to get. And at some point in this draft or some point in free agency, because they don't have the corners. Look, Herndon's a nice little play, plays hard, everything. But when you see him in, as the nickel corner, he gets exposed. He runs across the field. He can't run with guys. That's a problem. Uh, Darius Williams, we, we talked about it all year. Move him outside. He moved outside. He was better. But is he an elite corner? No. Tyson Campbell's a good player. And they need somebody else. They need a – and this is a – by the way, this is a great corner draft. There's yeah, a lot of guys. You might need two to this. Yeah, bunch. and there's, you could probably get two and two guys that can come in and compete. So I don't think it's entirely fixable on defense, but it can get better. And that's all – if you have the offense that I think they're going to have, that's all it needs to do is get better. Particularly, let's not forget, guys – they play six games against the South, which is not a good division. They play four more against the NFC South. He's which locking is, it already. He's locking an it. early lock. A, not, a, I, haven't, I haven't lock. locked it yet. Paselli locked it until our last he show, did. didn't he? He did, yes. He did. We both locked the division next year. Oh, he locked yeah. it. Oh, yeah. But of course he, he He's did. locking at least, you know. Yeah, how many wins? That, well, that could be – that should be nine right there. Yeah. When lose one of them. Okay. So you're guaranteeing nine and one against those teams. Those teams aren't. Those teams in the South are terrible. Look at the quarterbacks you're going to be playing. Look at the, uh, all <laughs> seven teams. In all, they are yeah. tough. But in all seven teams right now, who are the quarterbacks you're playing? Tannehill, maybe. Yeah. Bryce yeah. There's Young. three. Don't know. Bryce Young. Bryce. Right. So yeah. rookie quarterback, and then you don't know what's going on. Colts will probably have mm-hmm. a rookie quarterback too. Mm-hmm. And then in the in the NFC South, you have Brady. No, <laughs> you think he's coming back? Trask, Brace. Trask, or whoever they go get. Uh, Carolina has no idea. They might bring Darnold back. Ooh. Atlanta has Carr. Ritter, who's in his second year, barely played last year. Right. and then So it's a great schedule next year. And plus, I'm not going to say that just to say it's a one-year one. This team is here for the next decade because of that quarterback, period. End of story. Anything else you do is all about him. It's just like the Chiefs. They let Tyreek Hill go. They use the draft picks. They supplement the defense. They bring in some one-year hits. On. The quarterback got him there again, and he won it again. That's what Trevor Lawrence does for this team. He has to be. Yes. When you draft number one, that's where they have to eventually be. Pete, appreciate it. I'll get you a cold one tonight. Absolutely. You got it. Pete Prisco, CBS Sports senior writer with us on Jaguars Happy Hour in the 2023 season is on the horizon. You don't want to miss it. So lock in your seat to the bank this fall. Place your deposit at jaguars.com slash tickets. Seat selection is coming soon. 
and the perfect spot is waiting for you. Don't watch the Jags become kings of the jungle from your couch. Join the AFC South division champion Jaguars right now. Coming up at 4.30, it's Kirk Morrison, Sirius XM NFL radio host and former NFL linebacker. Up next, though, Jags head team physician Kevin Kaplan. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Mike Dempsey and Fat Tony. Jaguars today. All Jaguars, all NFL, all the time. 10 to noon weekdays on 1010XL. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, and if you're ready to renew your season tickets, the time is now. Renew before March 8th, and you'll have a chance to win a scratch pack prize. Those prizes range from signed merchandise to full-on experiences, so lock in your seats today. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour from the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis and the Indiana Convention Center. Coming up shortly, Kirk Morrison, former Jaguars linebacker, now Sirius XM NFL radio host. Now joining us is the Jaguars' head team physician, Dr. Kevin Kaplan from Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute. And, uh, Cap, here we are at the Combine again. Good to see you, and thanks for the time, man. No, I enjoyed, enjoyed seeing you guys. I'm glad that I got a chance to come over. What number Combine is this for you? This is 14 wow. for me. Wow. Yeah, so assistant for four years, and I've been the head guy for 10 years now. You're only like 30 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Young How guy. How do you pull that out? Young guy. <laughs> I Sorry wish. going, you were 16. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> All right, so uh, – Everybody says that, yeah, ask almost everybody, the most important part of the combine experience for these players is the medical evaluation. And certainly for the teams that want to get exposed to these players and see what's really going on, that's where you you and your staff come in. So take us through the process. Is there a room? Are there multiple rooms? Do the players roll through? Do you get to just cherry pick guys? I mean, how does that work for the physicians? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you know this. The way this whole NFL combine really started was medical, Mm -hmm. right? Doctors were saying, hey, we're bringing guys in. We don't know anything about them, you know, so can you tell us what their medical risk is? And that's how this whole thing started. And then the running, the jumping, all that kind of followed suit. So the way it works is there are rooms of, of physicians. It, our room has been the same, at least ever since I've been around. It's the same group of guys. So it's us, the Titans, the Jets, the Chargers, and the Bengals. So you're, you're very familiar with the guys that are in your room. Uh, and every single player that's here you know, at the Combine comes to that room. Hmm. Uh, and so they'll bring them in one by one. There's a, a kind of a pre-Combine screen where they talk to the players uh, get an, an idea of their medical history. And so they gather information from the time they were in high school playing football. Through, I mean, even before that, guys have had injuries when they were five and six years old that are on their injury report. Really? Oh, every piece of information you can gather is there. So a lot of scans, x-rays, MRIs, CT scans are done before we even get here. So they bring a player in one by one. There'll be a presentation. The player will be there on the exam table. Uh, and they'll present the player to us and say, this is what, you know, who the player is, these are the injuries he's had, and then they'll go through the examination and say, you know, th- and his shoulder's stable, his knee's got a little swelling to it, his incisions are healed, et cetera, et cetera. And, and then we're free to get up and, and feel and, and get a you know, look. There's certain guys that we're looking at specifically, but you want to have an overall look because you know how it is through the year, they're always working the back end of that roster. So they may not, the, the Jaguars may not be interested in a player today, that guy may come to you as a free agent you know three months from now so you get a good idea of, of that player so you take notes on everybody or at least i do and then you know when it comes time to grading the player I have a grading scale because i want to be able to easily relay the information to trent and to doug and, and to ferg and say this guy is this level of risk you know and there's 
it's a every team has a different scale ours is one to five you know yeah. the ones where the healthiest guys typically are the, the punters and kickers that come in mm-hmm. you know it's just the way it works and fives is a fail and it, it's very rare to fail someone orthopedically those are typically the the medical the heart stuff so then I go back home, make sure I've reviewed all the MRIs, and then we have a medical meeting where we go through every guy that they're interested on their board. As a, is there a medical risk there? What is the medical risk? If you, this may be tricky to answer, so I'll try to phrase it the right way. If you didn't have the combine, and you were just kind of going off of the records that you see, uh, if if your comfort level is a ten with this process, where would it be without this? I, I would be. Almost zero. Okay, I got you. So you have to to get your hand on guys. And I guess as a follow-up to that, can you imagine it without a combine? If you were trying to get guy, it's impossible, right? It is. It's essential for this reason. You have to. I mean, otherwise you're going on just assuming what the risk is. There's so many things you pick up on MRIs, whether it's pieces of cartilage missing or little meniscus tears, or we even pick up guys every year, I mean, we have them this year, but that don't have ACLs. You know, they didn't know they didn't have an ACL. And that's a, you know, some people cope with that. You know, they, wow. their knees loose and, and they may cope with it, but they need an ACL obviously to play the game. So, you know, without this, we wouldn't have any of that information. Is that where they've never had them or it's been torn sometime and they didn't know it? The, the guys in the past had an injury okay. and maybe they wore a brace or strapped it up or you know put a uh, tape on it or you know taped it and gave themselves some sort of stability you know but there are a subset of people that can cope without an acl but you, you know, wonder how they kind of got by doing that maybe playing. that's why i wasn't very good at basketball <laughs> yeah, JP. maybe i didn't have acl <laughs> <He's ACL-less. laughs> maybe i was missing something that's what it was <laughs> dr kevin kaplan with us from jacksonville orthopedic institute here at the nfl scouting combine so all right so the time frame of this all happening is it over multiple days how many days do you have left today is thursday so what's the, the rest yeah. of your schedule so it's four days so wednesday thursday friday saturday and they yep. break it up you know we did the the defensive linemen the linebackers first day today we did special teams and uh the defensive backs so we still got the quarterbacks we have the wide receivers running backs uh, so they, they try to break it up for us over four days there's a lot of guys coming through and we're talking 300 plus guys coming through you know, most guys get at least one or two MRIs or x-rays. And so you're just, I mean, next week I'm going to be in the mornings. That's all I'm going to be doing is looking at these MRIs and, and finishing up the evaluation. So I'm ready for the draft. Have you ever, I mean, it's got to break your heart to fail guys when you do that. I mean, it can, you know, or, or when you see a guy with an injury where you're thinking that guy's probably going to be short. I mean, I guess emotionally as a doctor, you got to do your job, but your heart has to go out to somebody who you, who you just know physically is going to have trouble holding up. Yeah, and, and the guys that come in and do the presentations, they, they, they do a good job of getting us the information, but I always look at the player when, when someone's getting a report like his knee is severely arthritic right. and it's bone on bone. You know, does that player really know what that means? You know, right. does, he, you know, does, his, you know does, does he or his agent know, you know what, that, what that does to him? So yeah, I mean these are because this is their dream. This sure, is their right. for you know to, to get into the NFL. But, but most and guys, all you're doing is presenting facts. You're not passing opinion, but correct. it's still tough. Correct, absolutely. And then there's a level of risk, right? There may be a guy that has a bad knee or an arthritic knee, and and uh, he's a good player, and and someone's going to take take him as, on a chance, you know, that he may make it. Right. Will he make it through that first contract to the second contract? Right. You know. The Jaguars this past year used the fewest amount of players in the NFL. 61 players touched the field. That was uh, the fewest in the regular season. Uh, So, I mean, credit to you and your staff, Jeff Ferguson, the VP of Player Health and Performance, the athletic training staff underneath him. Collective effort, yes, to, to work on the Jaguars roster. 
but also the Jaguars players for having to do some things on their own as well. It's a, it's a full team effort, not just the the staff involved. That's a big piece of it, but the players have to buy into that as well. One hundred percent. I mean, it starts with them. They're taking care of their bodies. They know what they need to do. And these guys, this team is, you know, you guys know it. They're just different. They want to be there. They want to get better. And then. You have Jeff, uh, you have Ferg that just does a great job in making sure the players are taken care of and are treated appropriately. But, you know, injuries are going to happen, right? And not every injury is, is going to be cut and dry. There's a there's a kind of a gray zone. Can you play with this? And what can we do to get you as good as possible without putting you at risk? Mm-hmm. And then there's the coach, right? And the coach has to do a great job in making sure that throughout the season you're not practicing like you were in July come December and January and hopefully, you know, farther. And, and I think Doug is very, maybe it's because he was a player and he knows the grind. He really took care of the players, and that makes our job easier because they're not coming in with their, you know, no legs and tired and cramping, and, and cramping leads to injury. And so you're at, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's a group effort in terms of keeping guys healthy on the field. Emphasize that last part for me, if you will, because I've heard from a lot of people over the years, certain coaches will run their guys. And as much as they want to be a player's coach, they just are going to run their guys out there. But the importance of the head coach understanding that these guys have to be rested at the proper times. Uh, I've heard from different medical people over the years that that can be everything to keeping a team healthy. I think it's the most important thing. Right. Because the problem is, is, you know, as me as a physician or as athletic trainers, and we have a job, and we're not there to, say, coach this way or run this a certain way. So part of that, I think the coach has to know and understand, and I think Doug just gets yeah. it. You know, he really does, and that's it's it makes our lives a lot easier. You know, hydrating and eating right. But if you go into a game on Sunday and then you run so hard, you know, come Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, mm-hmm. then you're going to the next week, and it's just a cumulative wear on the body. And that, that's a season's a full grind. Certainly is. It's uh, well, a full grind really 11 months of the year in the NFL. Yep. It kind of continues now. Players are off. They'll be back to off-season programs right around the corner. And uh, we're here at the Combine, a big flagpole event of the year. And we appreciate your time. I know you're busy these days and nights and um, <laughs> early mornings. That's and right. um, we'll do it again soon, Cap. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. Cap, thanks. thanks. Dr. Kevin Kaplan with us from Jacksonville Orthopedic Institute from Indianapolis. Coming up shortly, in just a moment, in fact, it's Kirk Morrison of Sirius XM NFL Radio's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. When Jaguars news breaks, you'll hear about it first on 1010XL, home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour from the Indiana Convention Center in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, we're on 1010 AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The podcasts, of course, on the free iHeartRadio app. Search Jacksonville Jaguars, and of course, hit us up on Twitter today at J.P. Shadrick, at John Osher. Our next guest, a host on SiriusXM NFL Radio, former NFL linebacker, Kirk Morrison joining us now, former Jaguar as well. Indeed, Kirk, indeed. it's great to see you, man. What's up? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. Glad to uh, join you guys. What a great week this has been so far. And now to finally getting the guys out there competing on the field. This is honestly what we came here for, right? Yeah. I mean, well, it's, <laughs> it's actually two different events, it, it feels is, like, yeah. right? The, the coaches and GMs early in the week. Correct. And then, you know, if you're the Jaguars, at least covering the Jaguars, picking 24th, I mean, yeah, it's hard to kind of pinpoint some things in that stadium. Yeah, you know? you're right. You're right, JP. It, it's it's a lot because 
everyone kind of gets the state of the union address for yeah. each franchise. Yeah. You know, general manager, head coach, they come out and talk, and you're sort of recapping last season because now we have time for everyone to sort of re, you know evaluate what happened. And now what do we need to look forward to? And everybody sees, hey, this is what you guys need to improve on. You guys got to go get a receiver. You got to go get a you know a running back, a linebacker, defensive end. And so it's always fun to come to Indy and get the sort of the state of the union of where the team is at. They won't tell you who they're going to pick, but obviously how do you feel about certain players on your roster as we also get ready to hit free agency? Yeah, and there's a little bit too, obviously, that it's the first time most media has talked to most of these guys yes. since they've been in the bunker and really looked back on what they really did. You know, you know, They look at tape week to week, <laughs> but they started to do a deep dive of what they need. And then they come out, Kirk, and they tell you nothing. <laughs> <laughs> a whole so bunch of nothing, it, it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the stories I write from here are always, yeah, there's a pretty good lead, and then they'll say, yeah, right. we need to get better at X. But then they really never go into very much, which you don't expect. Right, but that's, right, right. that's sort of the dog and pony show, if you will. Kirk, not every player who's been with the Jaguars in the last 20 years has great memories. Yes, I do. But I know your 2010 season that yeah. you spent with them. Tell me just the best memory you have of that season. Uh, because that was an underrated season. I think a lot of fans have forgotten how good that team was or almost was. Uh, that team was the, the best team that I've actually played on in the National Football League. I played eight years in the league, and that 2010 team was uh, was one I still have lifelong friendships from mm -hmm. playing one year in Jacksonville. And I was so upset I wanted to play a lot, lot, lo a lot longer um, because not only did I being able to embrace the Jacksonville community, the people, uh, the fan base, it was so fun. And David Garrard was an exceptional quarterback. He played outstanding that year. Uh, Josh Scobie, you know, mm -hmm. Scobie, Scobie Bryant, you know, yeah. I used to call him, <laughs> uh, because he was just automatic that year. He had, I think he kicks how many in a row. Uh, he was outstanding. But Maurice Jones drew a guy mm -hmm. who, you know, we grew up in the same area in Northern California. Yeah, you guys are tight from yeah. kid. Yeah. And so to be able to be on a team with him, and to think that Mercedes Lewis and the career that he had a career he's year. Still playing. Still playing. It's unreal. Right? He had a career year, you know, a career year, Pro Bowl year for him in 2010. Uh, and the coaches, obviously Jack Del Rio, but you see some of the other coaches and what they've been able to do that were on that staff. Corey Unland has been uh, an outstanding coach. You look at some of the uh, the offensive mind, Todd Monken, mm -hmm. who is now uh, the offensive yeah. coordinator in in. in Baltimore. Yep. He was the receivers coach. Right? Yep. And so you had all of these. I mean, uh, head coach of Michigan State, right? Was yeah, uh, Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker. Tucker. Yep. He yeah. was our D coordinator. So I had all of these offensive minds and people who are around us. And I'm saying, wow, this is unbelievable. But it was such a, a good season. I wish we could have finished it off. We went eight and eight. We mm -hmm. had an opportunity, but still, paid Manning was paid Manning. Right. And we had a game that allowed us, if we beat. You know, the Indianapolis Colts uh, in week, I believe it was 13 at the time, we win the division. And we, we lose that matchup, and we didn't finish the job down the stretch, and so we lost. But, man, you mentioned it, one of the great seasons that I know I've had a chance to play in my career. And two of the most unreal memories that year. Uh, yeah. That was the Scobie year, the 58-yarder yeah. against, against Indy, and it was the Hail Mary. The so, Hail Mary to Mike Thomas. Uh, unreal year for to be a part the of. Texans, yeah, yeah. Against the Texans, <laughs> David Garrard to Mike Thomas to Hail Mary. Um, just an um, unbelievable memory. And I remember also, too, I had one memory was that, you know, I was traded from the Oakland Raiders at the time. And then, you know, we were down, I think, at halftime, couple scores. And we come back in the second half. And 
David Garrard throws a deep bomb, and I believe it was uh, Hagen or so, whoever it was, catches it, and we went on to route the Raiders in a game that was so close, but it was so fun. Kirk Morrison with a Sirius XM NFL radio, Channel 88. They've got a big set here at the Indiana Convention Center. All right, so the Jaguars organization the last five years, let's just start there. You can go back sure. a little further than that. There's been a lot of ups and downs, right? Division title in 2017. Doug Marone's the head coach. Blake right. Bortles is the quarterback. An all-time defense in Jacksonville. Then it disintegrates starting in 2018. It hits rock bottom with the Urban Meyer regime and everything that happened there. Right. It's quickly starting to ramp back up, obviously, with Peterson and Lawrence and the free agent additions last year. It's kind of come in waves, but this one feels a little more sustainable, doesn't it? Yeah, 100% sustainable. I mean, the arrow definitely is pointing up. And I think what happens – what happened in 2022 was a year ahead. I think this football team is a year ahead in where they expected it to be. This was a football team at one point, I believe, was it one and six right after? Two and six, the, yeah. Yeah, two and two six. And six right after yeah. uh, the game in London. And, and you're like, okay, you scratch your head a little bit and say, well, same old Jaguars. And then something clicked. And I think it was because the belief that Doug Peterson has brought, I think there was from people who I've talked to also within the organization, that Trevor Lawrence, something happened. Like they, like he took over this football team and said, "Look, it's it's going to be on me how we finish and how we have a successful season." And everybody bought in. The talent has always been here, but it was putting everything together and also having that belief. Like having that belief is how you win games against the Dallas Cowboys, like the Jaguars did this year. Having belief in games down the stretch that, hey, we are a good football team and we can do the things that we expect to. We can be down 27 points in a wild card game and find a way to come back. That's what I saw from this football team this year, but it really started with the quarterback. Everything that you mentioned just about the last five years, I think it changes because you have the guy who you believe in and the guy pulling, you know, this, that's taking the snaps from center in Trevor Lawrence. He's been outstanding this year. And you just think that how he brings the most, gets the best out of everybody on this run. He got the best out of Evan Ingram, yep. right? Christian Kirk, people questioned the offseason acquisition in terms of the money that was spent on Christian Kirk. But, wow, you talk about production, he gave you production. And then the offensive line, too, right? Think about that, just how they came along this season. So, to me, this is a team that's a year ahead, and they can only imagine what they will do this offseason – to create more competition in some space because and hopefully it's not a long-winded answer, no, no, it, but it, it, it's, it. It, it's fun to look at them now because they don't go into an off-season of need. You're like, it's well, true. Where last year, like, it's like, okay, they need a receiver. Uh, they need a playmaking tight end. They need a couple linebackers who can come in and tackle. They need court. Keep going. Yeah, Keep you going. Know, <laughs> a long list. There's a long list yeah. of need, 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 need. <laughs> And you got a lot of those needs answered. You went out and grabbed some corners. You got uh, Foyer, you know, the linebackers who came and played. You got some guys off the edge that are now creating a little bit of havoc. You already had Josh, but now you got some people around him to help him out. You got an offensive line that play outstanding. And oh, by the way, whoever you put in the backfield didn't matter. If you got a guy off the street who just got released, or you got a guy in a trade, mm -hmm. everybody knew their role and they played their role. And that's why I think the team now is more about adding the depth rather than adding a need. You follow the league from a broader perspective right. than we do. So um, Doug Peterson talked a lot this year about not only the difference that he, he expects to see in Trevor 
in the second year of his scheme. Yes. But in that entire team, you think about so many new guys last year, Kirk, Ingram, right. <laughs> on defense. I mean, I don't say the entire team was new, but the core very much came together last year. Right. In your experience as a player and in following it, how much better does a team usually get in that second year and everything? Because they'll be in their second year of the defensive scheme, right. offensive scheme, and these core players playing in it. It strikes me that that's where the jump comes from. Uh, I've always uh, <laughs> compared it to that freshman year of high school where you get to school and you're looking around, you're wide-eyed, you, you can't find your locker. You, I don't know where I'm going to sit at for lunch. Yeah, I got I'm picked on both <laughs> years. So I'm, trying, no I'm trying to find the classes, everything. And then after that freshman year, you get to the sophomore year. And then you're now you're an upperclassman. And you know what's expected of you. You know where my locker is. I know where I like to eat lunch at. Mm -hmm. I know everything about the school because I've been around it. It's the same thing in the National Football League. That freshman year is one of those years, John, in which you're like, that rookie year it's every or that first year together, it's learning. Mm -hmm. It's understanding. What's the expectation? It was difficult for me in my career, very difficult, because I played for six head coaches in eight years. Six. Wow. So every year for me, the philosophy or the sure. culture had to change, and you're learning, hey, what's the new expectation of a new head coach? So when you have the same head coach for multiple years, and I didn't have that happen, honestly, until my – last part of my career when I got to Buffalo, mm -hmm. but I knew what the expectation was. I knew what, they, what the coach wanted from me. The team knew what the coach wanted, and there was no surprises. You knew how practice was going to be ran. You knew where, how the, the extra time that you can put in to be a better player, all of that. And so now when Trevor Lawrence comes to the line of scrimmage, he's got the built-in audibles that right. he maybe didn't have in year one. Or on defense, mm -hmm. you have the audibles and the things that – Hey, great play call from coach, but you know what? No, 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 let's check it. Let's check to a different coverage that gets us in a better situation to get us to the next down. That's what year two in the system, not just offensively, but also defensively, helps you out now with this Jaguars team. Kirk Morrison with us, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Final thought with you here, and thanks again for the time. You know, the Bills, the Chiefs. Yes. Um, Jaguars are kind of in that mix, obviously. I mean, there's a, a bunch of teams now in the AFC Correct. that have top-tier quarterbacks. They've got pass rushers. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, as competitive as I can remember the conference being since I've been in – this will be season 12. Right. Uh, I'm sure there have been other competitive times. There's other great quarterbacks. But compared to what the NFC has to offer right now, right. AFC's tough, but the Jags are right there in the mix. Obviously, they, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Chiefs in the divisional round they they got a taste of it yeah. right so every year we always the cliche you win your division you get to the playoffs mm -hmm. well the jaguars did that last year they won their division mm -hmm. but they got a chance to see the next step that needs to be taken in order to be a true contender in the afc they got a chance to go to kansas city and to be all honest they played a hell of a football game they did there was moments where they could have actually changed the tide of that game and we wouldn't have, I, don't, I wouldn't have been as surprised had they won because they had that mindset of we're underdogs, all that. They won't be underdogs anymore. Mm -hmm. I think because of the way they played this year, they're going to be a much different team that people will be looked at. But in two years of Trevor Lawrence, he is the best quarterback in the AFC South right now. Right now, he starts at the top. This division seems to be the Jaguars' division, 
by quarterback already. Mm-hmm. He is the when you put the matchup of against the Texans or the Colts or or, or the Titans right now, he's the best quarterback. You're checking that You're box. Check, that's right. the box that you already have. So if you have that piece for you already, that's what makes you excited about getting back to the tournament next year. And then you know what's expected because you mentioned those other quarterbacks, those other teams that have been in that contention for the last three or four years. But the only thing is what the NFL presents is that one of those teams have to fall because there's always a team on the rise. Cincinnati has been that team the last couple of years that have kind of rose, and they've dropped Buffalo, who's been there the last couple of years. It's, it's been a fun fun couple of uh, uh, last four or five years, this new era of quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? You mentioned Tom Brady leaving out That's of the league. Right. And now all of a sudden this influx of youth of good quarterbacks. I mean, I just was watching the, uh, the – the, looking at the AFC Pro Bowl quarterbacks, right? I was in, uh, in Vegas to, uh, you know, doing some interviews down there in the Pro Bowl and talk to Trevor Lawrence and to see – Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, right, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. And think about how far Tua has been pushed down, right? Right, yeah. This is, this is the same conference that has Russell Wilson, right. and yet he's not even in the top ten no. in the in the conference. Russell Wilson is not even in the top ten, I think, in quarterbacks in the conference. That's how good it is. But I think that's where the Jaguars have put themselves in a position because of the added pieces and weapons for their quarterback. Kirk, great stuff. Thanks again for the time. Glad to see you're doing well, and um, we'll, we'll see you down the line. JP, John, Fantastic anytime. Stuff, anytime, fellas, anytime. Kirk Morrison, Sirius XM, NFL Radio, plenty to come. We'll wrap it up from Indy after this. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jacksonville Sports Talk for Jacksonville sports fans. 1010XL. Home of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars happy hour continues and the 2023 concert season is here and there's no better time to become a Daly's Place Blue member than right now. Enjoy the best seats and amenities, premium parking and much more. And you can watch Kenny Chesney, Old Dominion, Yellow Card and many more acts on the schedule already. For more, email ticketing at boldevents.com or call 904-633-2000. Welcome back to Indianapolis. J.P. Shadrick with John Osher. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on this Thursday afternoon. Glad you're along with us. Busy show today. Pete Frisco with us. Dr. Kevin Kaplan joining us earlier. Kirk Morrison from SiriusXM. Good to hear from Kirk, a former Jaguar for one season at least, 2010. You made the point of a pretty good season until it wasn't the best season. They had some good moments there, but... Good to see him doing well and uh, doing big things on Sirius XM, ESPN, college football as well. Uh, he's all over the place. Yeah, and he was by far the tallest of our three guests today, Kirk Morris. Uh, easy. <laughs> so, Easily, so, yes. Uh, yeah, I I missed covering Kirk by a year, and I actually I was still in Indy in 2010 when he was uh, – had his lone Jaguar season, and I, I, I was doing some work for multiple uh, publications at the time and actually spoke to him on the phone yeah. uh, that year about the Jaguar season. And the story at midseason was what a surprising, unbelievable, successful season. And had they closed that season out by beating the Colts up in Indianapolis, which they had a chance to do, it would be remembered up there with some of the uh, fondest seasons because of that Scobie game, the uh, 59-yard field goal people remember, the Hail Mary game. Uh, they went over to Dallas and blew them out one week, I think. So, I mean, it, there were some – it's like so many teams. 
teams have seasons that are sort of forgotten a little bit. And I think that 2010 season, not having covered it, but having talked to people about it, uh, is one of those seasons that I think some people remember fondly, and it was good to talk to Kirk about that. All right, let's rehash some of the, I guess, news of the day. Reports today that the Jags are expected to use the franchise tag on Evan Ingram. That would be just over $11 million. And as you mentioned, and we mentioned with Pete, I mean, it feels like that's always kind of been in the picture if needed. That might just buy them a little more time to get a long-term deal done. I think July 15th Mm -hmm. would be the deadline if they were to tag him. They haven't officially tagged him yet. They're expected to, according to reports. We'll see. But uh, this just feels like just extending it out in time to make a deal for Evan Ingram. As Trent Baalke said, they want him. Evan Ingram said it on interviews in the last couple weeks. He wants to be here. He wouldn't mind the franchise tag. He said that himself in one of those just because he would see it as an extension to to make a long-term deal. So this one feels like it's just elementary. It's going to happen. Yeah, if there's been a theme of the offseason so far, and we've talked about it, even with some of the guests for the Jaguars, has been, you know, Outside of the Roy Robertson Harrison extension, everything feels more uh, clerical, if you will. And when I say clerical, I mean the restructurings, uh, they're moving money around with the cap. But it doesn't really affect what the players are making, and it, and it, it doesn't affect the team. It's keeping it together. So it hasn't been a very newsworthy offseason yet, Uh unless you like following accounting in the NFL. <laughs> so, and I'm, I'm not saying that as a negative because that's what they wanted. They wanted to keep their guys. They wanted to clear books. Um, so I think Evan Ingram very much fits into that. It, everybody you talk to from Evan after the season, uh, when Trent Baalke talked about it at, at a couple of podiums, and people you talk to on the side, there's never been much of a doubt that one way or the other they were going to keep Evan Ingram. The doubt has been more over Jawan Taylor out of those two. And I I believe, based on just feel from talking to Trent, that at some point they'll get a long-term deal done with Evan Ingram because, as I've written many times, and you read it too often for your sake, when sides want to get something done in this league and when both sides genuinely want something to happen, it usually gets done. And from talking to Evan, it's, it certainly feels like he wants to be here long-term. Uh, it, it would behoove him to be here long-term and the franchise. Um, my guess is once the Jaguars maybe move a little further down the road and figure out exactly what the rest of the cap looks like, then maybe they come back and say, okay, we got it figured out. Now we can we know exactly where Evan will fit. Time to get it done. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just a matter of, okay, now we can agree on that number. Maybe the John Taylor has something to do with that. Who yeah. knows? But um, I sometimes you get the sense with – a a franchise tag. I've covered guys before who've been on the tag. Uh, and even if they don't say it, there's a little feeling of, I, I don't like this. I don't think you'll have any sort of residual effect from Evan being on the franchise tag. I, I think it'll just be more logistics. At some point it'll get worked out. And, and if it doesn't, you know, $11 million, I think he'll be happy with that. It's about what he made last year. And it won't, it won't go into another season with him, I wouldn't think. So I think at some point he'll be a long-term guy here. The availabilities from Trent Falke and Doug Peterson from Tuesday available now on Jaguars.com. Let's uh, rewind to those a little bit here, John. You can check them all out, of course, there. Um, plenty of interviews throughout the week with, with other guests uh, here on Radio Row. Um, top standouts from each, Balky and Peterson, uh, in a rewind of Tuesday. Probably 
the biggest thing with Doug that struck me was his, you know, it was, it was the first thing he said on the podium. And Doug, I think, thinks about his messaging at times when he speaks because he knows he's setting the tone for the team. Uh, he, he was very much, I want this team to feel and understand the pressure of having to go out there and perform week to week. Uh, I think he knows there's going to be higher expectations on a team that won the AFC South. I don't think he has a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very upfront. And, you know, he didn't say, hey, we're going to own the, you know, he didn't say anything bombastic. But he certainly made clear that he understands there can be expectations, and he doesn't mind that. And I think he, the way he phrased it kind of goes back to, I'm, you know, in the first year under him, I think it took the team until the second half of the season to understand what it took to prepare each week and to be ready and to go win games. Um, I think that's a natural learning curve. I think it bothered him in October because they weren't winning games. But I think once he saw it in the second half of the season, thought, okay, that's how it's supposed to look. But there's also an element of, and if he didn't talk about this, some players did on the day after the season or, or on getaway day. There's also an element of what it takes all season mentally to be a team that goes win, goes and wins in the playoffs. That's what Doug wants is what the team wants. In that comment, I think that was there too of, I expect this team next year to approach the entire season as if we're going to go win that second round game. Plenty of guests uh, coming up if they haven't posted already on Jaguars.com or Jaguars social media or the podcast network. In the coming days, they will, including uh, Peter King, who you caught up with today. NBC Sports, always fantastic, mm-hmm. and uh, had a chance to, to listen into some of that conversation between you two, and you're going to love it. Once you hear that coming up, we had Charles Davis, we had Greg Cosell. I think that's coming up tomorrow on the podcast network, just to name a few. I mean, yeah, Maurice Jones-Drew caught up with him yesterday. And, I, I knew I was going to leave somebody out. Yeah, Maurice had some great things to yeah. say about Shad Khan, about the team as a whole. Maurice really locked into the team this year. So his insight into what this team is and was doing uh, was really interesting. And I, and I, Peter King, you know, uh, a, a wealth of knowledge and perspective on the Combine. And, and he caught up with uh, Doug Peterson several times for his Monday morning, I forget what he calls it, Football Mornings in America. That's right. Uh, he caught up with him several times. So his insight into Doug and this team I found very interesting. John, well done. Enjoy the week, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again, I'm sure, very soon. Probably on the plane tomorrow. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> or maybe when we walk out of here. That's John Ozier. Thanks to our uh, special guest today, Pete Prisco. Uh, of course, Kirk Morrison and Dr. Kevin Kaplan. Thanks to our entire crew, both here in Indy and back in Jacksonville. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. <laughs>